سب نمبر پانچ سالک پر واجب ہے کہ جو اپنے آپ کو تمام مسلمانوں سالک پر واجب ہے کہ وہ اپنے آپ کو تمام مسلمانوں سے کم تر سمجھیں ایسا نہیں کریں گا تو متکم برین میں شمار ہوگا سید عبدالعزیز دیرانی رحمتہ فرماتے تھے کہ سالک اپنے آپ کو تمام مخلوق سے کم تر سمجھیں نمبر فائیو آن دس پیتھ آن دا سیکرٹ پلیجرسلمس If he doesn't do that, then he will be counted and estimated amongst the people of arrogance, Mutakabbirin. Sayyid Abdulaziz Durrani Namtalai used to say that in fact a Salik, seeker, should view himself as inferior to all of creation. It's the same thing that we did last year actually, if you remember, in Tariqat Ki Adab. This is again how a person comes to the attribute of master humility the master attribute of humility on the one hand that the salik should view himself as lower than all muslims and the second that he should view himself as lower than all of creation this is being prescribed in two ways first is as a corrective measure Corrective means that when a person starts doing more zikr, starts following more sunnah, starts following more sharia, so it's only natural that he starts to view himself or she starts to view himself as something. Sooner or later the ujub will come in. If a person has amal, has ikhlas, has sunnah, is doing ibadah, is studying ilm, is doing khidmat, is in sohbah, etc., etc., the more they get of these and if they get all of the above, then... Ujub is very close to follow. So this is partly prescribed as a corrective measure. Then at the higher level of saluk, as a person goes further into saluk, a person starts getting all types of anwarat, jaliyat, fuyuzat, kefiyat. And that will also make a person feel some level of ujub. If they're getting certain ma'arif or certain feelings in their heart, then again very quickly falls a feeling of ujub. Maybe not a sinister ujjah that leads to kibar or takambar, but a feeling of ujjah nonetheless because they become aware of their kifiyat. So as a corrective measure to that, then the salik, the person who is actually making progress, has to actively, consciously view themselves as inferior to other Muslims. And if they don't, he will be considered amongst mutakambirin. What does that mean? That normally, for an average Muslim, There's ujub, kibar, and takabar. But for a salik, ujub equals takabar. If they have ujub, it's as if they have takabar. We've explained this many times. Ujub means to have vanity, conceit, self-love, self-praise. Kibar means to view yourself as better than others. Takabar means to have, love yourself, view yourself as better than others, and then actively treat somebody as if they're inferior to you. The Salik may not Amalan be doing Kibar or Takambar. 
he doesn't view himself better than others and he's not actively treating others as inferior to him but if he has ujub, if he views himself as something for the sadaqin that's enough to make them amongst the mutakabirin and many times this is a view in tasawwuf that the people of tasawwuf and taluk are held to a higher standard held to a higher standard means they will be examined to a higher standard than the day of judgment Sayyatul Abrar Hasanatul Muslimin. Hasanatul Sayyatul Mutakarrabin. Means the good deeds of the Abrar are the ones who are people of piety, people of taqwa, people of bir, people of bin and taqwa. They are actually like the Sayyat of the Mukarrabin, the ones who have been drawn. Sayyat means they're like the sins. And the faults and flaws of those who have been drawn near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Means the muqarrab is hold, held to an even higher standard. Right? So here, similar things being applied. That the only way the salik can escape the gumbar is not by not doing anything, mistreating someone, but by actually removing the ujub. And the way they remove the ujub is by viewing themselves as less than all Muslims. That should be explained this to you also. How can... They view themselves as less than all creation to Azatashafali Talramtai said that the Salak should view every fellow Mu'min as Bil Fa'al better than him, in actuality better than him, because he would have done some amal that Allah Ta'ala may have accepted and I may not have any amal like that. And he may have done a tawbah that Allah Ta'ala accepted and maybe none of my tawbahs have been so nasuh, so sincere enough that Allah Ta'ala has accepted them. And he should view every non-Muslim as better than him, bil ihtimal, because that non-Muslim may accept Islam, and if that non-Muslim gets iman before they die, on the basis of that iman, will first all of their past sins will be wiped away because they be a convert, and then when they're a mu'min, maybe they will actually do much more justice to iman and value their iman and honor their iman than I would. Then one step further would be what is here to view oneself as inferior to all makhluk. Well that you can see recently what we did in Qur'an in that there is nothing in the universe except as it does the tasbih and hamd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So a person could say, okay, of all makhluk, all makhluk is 100% zakir. And me, I'm 10% zakir, 90% ghafil, 20% zakir, 80% ghafil. But then in that sense they're inferior. All of makhluk is 100% mutiyah or obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's us who sometimes obey, sometimes we disobey. So in that sense, a human being can view himself as inferior to all of makhluk. One other benefit of this is that it keeps a person's gaze directed on oneself. That's what Imam Rabbani Madal of said in Persian, Deed Kusur. Deed means to see. Kusur means one flaws. So rather than looking at the flaws and faults of others. So unless somebody is actively, consciously, always focusing on their own faults, again, sooner or later it's going to happen that they're going to notice the faults of another, and that is what is coming in number seven. But first, other number seven. Adab number six, it befits the seeker of Allah subhanahu on the traveler of this path, to prefer his fellow seekers or to prefer her fellow seekers 
over her own essential being, over her own self. And if any one of his or her fellow seekers hurts her or him or harms her or him, that he should, but it means he should silently take it, he should not react against it, should not plot against it, should not respond to it. So first thing is apni zat pratirjide to prefer others over yourself. To prefer others over yourself to an extent that you even to make oneself mahroom for the sake of someone else. Right? So that can be as simple as for example the other eating when you eat together always to want the other person to get the better food or to get the better choice or to get the first choice or to get the closest place or like the very famous incident in the Sahaba Ikram that the Mujahideen were lying wounded and somebody gave water to the first one he said go take it to the next one he was about to drink it and then he realized that he had another companion he said take it over there then they went they took it to the other Sahaba he was about to drink it then he saw and realized there was another Sahaba he said take it there the water drinking went the whole circuit came back to the first one passed away next one passed away next one passed away next one passed away whole group became shaheed shaheed in battle but the final suburb of their shahada was their terji of others over themselves so that is zat ku terji dena right to, pre- oh, to prefer them over your own being your own life your own self That can mean two types Unintentional and intentional Unintentional sometimes somebody ends up Hurting you unintentionally It can be as simple that they crammed you in sitting tightly That they stepped on you It can be that they said something Which they didn't really intend to mean as a slight to you It was unintentional Or it could even mean intentionally and let's say there is a fellow seeker who is himself or herself not following these adab. That doesn't mean you should stop following them also. Because then the whole system will collapse. Right? So if somebody else didn't follow the proper adab and deliberately, intentionally hurt you or undercut you or sidelined you or chastised you or backbit you, you have to berthost it. You have to, at least one party has to have the helm. Otherwise, if neither party has the helm, then it becomes all out war, an all out contest, enmity, hostility, that can go all the way up to envy, jealousy, hatred. So, both the men and the women have to learn this helm, right? And this bardasht also doesn't mean what sometimes Hazrati says that smiling on the outside and boiling on the inside, right? Smiling on the outside and boiling on the inside. No, it means you have to be smiling on the inside also. That's a genuine hill. The person should not feel that bughuz or that ghil for another person. This is a very difficult thing to do, right? One way to get out of this is that if a person feels that she really did hurt me. Okay, maybe she really did, right? Maybe she didn't. Maybe it was intentional, maybe it wasn't. The problem people make is they convince themselves, they pass a legal ruling, a fatwa, a judgment, 
they're so sure that the other person hurt them, then they can't let go of it. Every time they try to let go of it, shaitan brings the facts back. What they've declared to be the facts, shaitan will just show them the facts again. And then again they'll remember that, no, 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 she did that. And then they get angry again. And then they work on themselves, they work on their heart, they make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that shaykh to make dua for them. They start to get better, right? They start to turn away all of a sudden. Again they remember what they again wrote down as facts. And then they look at the facts. And of course she, oh, she hurt me. Right? So we should not be so convinced that our interpretation of somebody else's intention is really the fact of the matter. We should not be so convinced that our interpretation of and even an action, let alone an intention, even our witnessing an action, even that doesn't necessarily make it a fact. There could be many different ways or reasons why that thing happened. Right? So unless you get rid of those so-called facts, you will never be able to forgive that person in your heart. Right? And that's so the mistake they made in the English proverb. They say that we can forgive, but we can't forget. That's what they say. That one can forgive, but one can't forget. In our line, no, you have to forgive and you might have to forget. And in fact, the only way you will be able to forgive really is by forgetting. Because if you don't forget, you can never really forgive. That will be the smiling on the outside, but every time you remember, it will return to the boiling on the inside. So it cannot be like that, that I forgive, but I can never forget. And people talk like that. And no, 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 I'm fine with her, everything's fine, but I can never forget what she did to me. Allah Akbar. Then I read between the lines, it means you're not fine. <laughs> you haven't even, how are you fine? How have you forgiven? There's no way. You have to forget. You have to forget. Right? And uh, that's what this hilm really is. It's about being able to forgive someone so much that you forget it. When you forget it, then really, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts the tawbah on both sides and puts the barakah back in both sides of the relationship. Adab number saad, Hazrat Imam Hassan Basriyam ta'alai firmati te, ke baai ke adab me se hai, ke apne baayon ki khidmat karein, phir unke paas mazrat pesh karein, ke unka jo haq tha, Adam number seven, Shaykh Hassan Basri Ta'ala from the Tabin. He used to say that it's from one of the adab, one of the adab a person should have to their fellow seeker is that they should do the khidmah or they should be of help and service to their fellow seekers. And after doing that help and service, they should present themselves apologetically in front of them and they should say that the right uh, that was due that person of service, that they weren't able to fulfill that right of khidmah. Now whether a person says this verbally, maybe not necessarily a person has to say that verbally, but it means what a person should feel. What happened here, is that the same thing? Because you see the mashayif, which is a lot of بہت سی چیزوں سے صاف ہوتا ہے مگر خانقائی زندگی میں کچھ ایسے پیرو تھے جس کے بنا پر نفس دوبارہ اٹھتا تھا ایک خدمت تھا ایک خدمت کرنا اور ایک اپنے آپ کو خادم کا منصب پر فائز سمجھنا right that's the difference so this is also what was happening that sometimes somebody was feeling that no I've done the khidmat I'm a khadim and that was also leading to the ujjab that was also taking away their humility and they may not say it to somebody, but in their heart, again, they pat themselves on the back. 
that no, I did the khidmat and I served them the way they should have been served. I did a great job. I'm such a nice guy. I'm so nice to them. Then what's the next step? Next step will be, I'm doing the khidmat. I'm so nice to them and they don't appreciate it. That'll be the next thing. Next thing. Then the next thing after that, when they don't appreciate it, then they'll be angry with them. Right? They'll be angry with them. Avoid the same thing, the journey from I am something to I am nothing. That's the key to all of this. And if all of a sudden the person who is doing khidmat thinks he is something, I a khadam, then he has to go back and work on it. That's his nafs, that he thinks he's a khadam. So whether he verbally says it, that's also possible, right? But that has to be a bit more genuine, not just the kalufan, that he does khidmat and goes in front of his satis and takes hazards and sajras and says, Jo haq mene aapka tha, mene wo adane kiya. Right? So not naklan, not the kalufan, what we call the sanno, not the sannan, not artificially, not formally. But Jen, sometimes it's difficult to do these certain things because people don't talk like this anymore, right? Our stars or the Sufis herself sometimes you to imitate Lucknow. Jinaab Ali, bahut madhubana guzarish hai ki, and then it would be some kogali on the right. <laughs> so nobody really talks like that anymore, right? But in your heart, you should feel that way, that I didn't do as, I didn't do that right. And this is what I don't know if it's a hadith. Actually. It might just be a saying. Might be a hadith. I can't remember. But even if you were to take the whole world and make it into a morsel and give it into the, feed it into the mouth of the guest, even then you wouldn't have done the duty that Allah Ta'ala has put on a host in the deen of Islam. Right? In a poor dunya ko lukma banakar unko kalai, phir bhi aapne unko haq kiya. So a person has to believe it. One thing is to say it. One thing is to believe it. Right? One thing is to believe it. And not just peer bias, I mean, you know, whether it's our parents, our children, or our spouse, or students, or teachers, or peer bias, you know, this is pretty much true. And obviously, So we are a people, human beings, who are not able to fulfill the haq, or the dues and rights that are due upon us. But he sh- the point is that he or she should generally feel like that. Although this is not written here, I will just add on the flip side on the flip side so the system works properly sometimes the khidmat is done of a person right it can be sheikh can be alim can be ustaz can be mullah masaiba right so that person and this is a problem in some desi madaris right that they will feel that they're not supposed to. Any mukhdum should not feel that khidmat ka haq adane kiya. Khadim should feel khadim ki kefiyat ho ki khidmat ka haq adane kiya. Mukhdum ki kefiyat yeh nahi hone chahiye ki usne khidmat ka haq adane kiya. Uski kefiyat hone chahiye ki main khidmat khidmat ka mustahik nahi ho. Yeh Allah Taala ne inke dil mein koi baat dal de, to uske dil mein nadamat hone chahiye. As opposed to forcing people to do khidmat or reveling in their khidmat, right? Or, uh, you know, giving them better scores or grades because of their khidmat or teaching them more ilm because of their khidmat. It shouldn't be like that. Khidmat is for the makhdoom. Many times makhdoom make it asam. I know makhdoom in your society is those Sindhi politicians. I'm talking about makhdoom. 
the person, I'm just using it in a lexical sense, the person for whom the khidmat is done, right? Khidmat is not asal. And alhamdulillah we saw in our the best of Asadaza and Mulana Hassan Dhambar got them even though they would have a couple khadim khas but they would give muhabbat even to the people who weren't their khadim it wasn't like that their taluk was only for the one two khadims they would have love for all of their students right and so the people today who are teaching ilm or studying ilm mullimas uh, and asatiza they should be the same way right so they should feel okay, they're not even forget khidmat ka haq ada hua they're not even koi haq taine awwal na haq nahi tha haq ada hone bhi dur ki baat hai right so if both sides think like that then the system works well then it's ikhlas then there's barakah and then Allah Taala can even make tajdeed deen happen because of that khidmat of deen that khidmat of deen becomes not just khidmat of deen it becomes tajdeed deen ihya deen and if there's personalities and personality politics involved in khidmat, then maybe the khidmat will happen. Khidmat hoga, but it won't become ihya ad-deen, tajdeed ad-deen. It will just become khidmat for the sake of khidmat. So khidmat is not fi nafsihi la nafsihi. It's laghayrihi. It's something, it's not asal. It's not the asal thing in any relationship. Right? But obviously, like in langar and different aspects of Khankai life, there was a khidmat aspect to it. And obviously that makes the khanka function much more smoother. It's more efficient. Then people have more time to do their ibadah if those things are going well. So a very good example. You can see what you don't see, which is like Bil Ghayb, is the khidmat of the Banu Jamaat in Jangajtama. So all the food is being cooked for the thousands of people. And all the rotis are being made for thousands of people and being served for thousands of people, then being cleared for thousands of people, then being cleaned up for thousands of people. And it's all behind the scenes. They're just doing it. Lilla filla. There's no concept of, you know, there's no ishan, jitlan, or anything like that. Right? And I'm sure there are similar such things. Right? But in other ishtamat and other uh, such things. So, khidmat sometimes, yes, cannot always be behind the scenes. Sometimes it ends up being something that a person does apparently or publicly. But, uh, you know, a person in their heart should have niyat that they're doing it and that they wish that they could erase the record and the memory of their khidmat or erase the awareness of their khidmat in front of the people who do who they're doing khidmat of. Another thing also is that just like I was saying on this side that the person whose khidmat is done should never feel entitled to it at the same time the khadim should never feel their khidmat gives them some entitlement right that because they're doing khidmat then they should be entitled to ABC anything AB I mean they may be entitled to things otherwise but they should not feel that there's some particular or special or increased entitlement they're allowed to because of their khidmat right and uh Another thing uh, is that because khidmat is done for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so this should not be used as a tool to punish people. In other words, it okay if somebody is doing some khidmat of the madrasa or khanqa or salsala or deen or whatever it may be. It can be administrative, it can be 
computer, it can be langar, it can be so many things, right? Yes, if the person isn't doing such a good job, right? Then obviously you may have to change the person if they're not able to be skilled to do it. Or Sheikh can do this, that sometimes for tarbiyah to take away khidmat, but Ustaz and Mullama can't do this. No way. Mullama is not a peer, right? So you cannot punish someone by taking away their khidmat. That okay, I'm angry with you, your khidmat is done. Right? You cannot do this and I'm taking this away and I'll give it to somebody else. Right? So that is not a good thing. That is not acceptable, in my view, uh, for any ustad or mulama to use khidmat as a danda that they hold over someone. This relationship in ilm and tasawwuf of ustad shagird is not supposed to be one of fear. Yes, certainly there's a rob. A rob is one thing and fear is something else. Right? And there's a very big difference. Very big difference. It's doname. Zameen asman ke Right? Danda is one thing and robe is something else. So khidmat should never be used like that. Right? Because then what happens is then there's a feeling that there was an entitlement. That's the impression being given that if somebody was entitled to that khidmat. Whereas nobody is entitled to that khidmat. And especially in our friends, you know, who are so busy with their jobs and wives and children or husbands and classes or university or whatever. So every now and then there will be a person who, you know, may send something to you later than they should have or email something past the deadline or fail to do something on time. Again, you shouldn't have su'izan. You shouldn't do badgumani. When somebody makes a small error, you shouldn't write the fact for yourself and attribute a malicious intention or a malicious action. They don't care. It shouldn't be like that. Right? Maybe they slipped. Everybody slips. Everybody slips. Right? So this was some additional comments on the notion of khidmat so that all the different parties and all the different sides can understand.